Mark Cuban. Going against the norm and, and looking for people who had great ideas is, is really what I look for as opposed to individuals mentoring me. David Stern. Thank you. Those are very kind and generous words. I greatly appreciate them. And thanks for having me on. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. Chris Everett. He was very interesting. You asked great questions. So thank you very much, Brian. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> Maria Taylor. Oh, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. And your preparation shows to you. Tim Howard. Well, I appreciate you saying. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. Fresh back from Chicago, an NBA All-Star. Thanks again to Kemper Lesnick for hosting us for our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. If you missed my conversation with WNBA Commissioner Kathy Engelbert or Philadelphia 76ers and New Jersey Devils CEO Scott O'Neill, I invite you to go to iTunes, search Sports Business Radio, and check out those conversations. I'm joined in studio by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, as usual, we tore it up on our road show trip. A great show. I'm still, I think I'm getting warm now from the negative two plus Man, wind. That was cold. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, awesome show. Kemper Lesnick put on a great, great uh, venue there and right on the river and dumping snow the whole time. It was awesome. I had a good time. Yeah. So let's talk about NBA All-Star. Uh the ratings were good. You know, a lot of times with these all-star games, whether it's Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, it's pretty flat and stale. It's the same old, same old. But they changed some things up this weekend. Let's work backwards. So let's start with the all-star game on Sunday. Uh, viewers really tuned into this. So it had the Elam ending. Um, it had that targeted score of 157. I liked it because the guys played harder. You had to guard against the three. You know, the only thing I would change is I don't want it ending on a free throw like Anthony Davis wanted on a free throw. Let me see it like on a, on a shot, but those guys were playing hard. So the ratings reflected these changes. They were up 15% for the weekend, 8% for the game itself, 7.3 million viewers across TNT and TBS. The peak of 8 million came during the commercial free fourth quarter. I like that too. Give me just the game, no commercials. I thought it made it even more intense. But overall, uh, it was all good. Social was up too. So 42.2 million hours of 2020 NBA All-Star events. That's the Celebrity Game, the Rising Stars, All-Star Saturday Night, and the All-Star Game up 15% from 2019 making it the most consumed All-Star weekend since 2013. So, you know, one of the stories of the NBA season so far has been ratings have been down. But for this All-Star game, because of these changes, they were up. And also you had tributes to Kobe Bryant, David Stern. I think that also added to the flavor of All-Star weekend. It was great. I mean, by far my favorite All-Star game Sunday in as long as I can remember. Yeah. I, I love the format. It was intense all the way down to the end. They're even arguing with the refs. They're reviewing plays. It felt like a playoff type game. It had a great atmosphere. Uh, the guys came to play hard and it came down to the wire. I love how, you know, the, the scoring, you know, had to get the target score. I agree. Maybe not on a free throw, but still it was an exciting all the way through. I loved it. The other thing that NBA did, and this was so smart. They had a charitable component. Yep. So if Team Giannis or Team LeBron won a quarter, there was $100,000 at stake. The other thing they did that was brilliant is usually at these all-star games, it's a bunch of corporate muckety-mucks. 
they took the kids from these charities, they put them in the 100 level seats, and these kids cheered their hearts yeah. out for this money. And it really added another element to the game. And just from an optic standpoint, like how great was it to see these kids sitting in good seats, not in the upper level where you right. can't see them or hear them. And you could feel the players really trying, not only because they wanted to win and play hard for Kobe and all that stuff, but they wanted to win money for these charities. And no one wanted the charities to go skunked, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the other thing that's interesting, in the third quarter, they tied. So it was like when you're in Vegas, it rolls over to the next quarter. So now you've got $300,000 on the line in the fourth quarter, which made that fourth quarter even more intense because you can't tell me those players didn't factor that in when playing on the court, they're like, oh my God, this is a lot of money to these charities. Maybe it's not a lot of money to them, but $300,000 for a nonprofit for winning a quarter, that's life-changing stuff for that nonprofit. Yeah, and I love how they made them a part of the game. They gave them the yep. shirts. They talked about them the whole time. You could yeah. hear them with the crowd mics. They had them mic'd up a little bit. You could hear the crowd you know, chanting, LeBron, 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 and stuff. So that was cool how they worked them into the game. The whole game, you knew they were there and part of it. They even did some sideline interviews with them at the beginning. A couple of kids got interviews. So I thought that was really cool, too. And you're right. I mean, playing for charity is always good and for kids. And putting them in the game, they're right down there by the floor. I loved it. The tributes to David Stern and Kobe Bryant, very good, very well done. Uh, Common, you know, did his thing before the game, and it was just really poignant and touching. Magic Johnson coming out and speaking. I thought the level of uh, recognizing David Stern and Kobe throughout the weekend was really well done from the league standpoint. And then, of course, you had players like Devin Booker and Damian Lillard, who wore Mamba Forever when he was performing on Saturday night, you could tell the players paid their own tributes. And this weekend just had a different feel to it than any All-Star game in a long time. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. You saw Kobe throughout the whole game. Even the shot clock changed color when it got to eight seconds and things like that. Little, Just little insights that you saw the NBA took extra efforts to make sure that you were both recognized and, and uh, remembered. So that was cool, too. I well, and I guarantee you those guys keep those jerseys, right? Oh, yeah. They probably like give them away to their cousin most of the time, but with a 2 or a 24 on it, those things are getting framed, they're getting put up in their yeah. house, and, and those are going to be special jerseys. And speaking of special, this was another thing the NBA did that was so well done, is the MVP trophy for the All-Star Game was renamed the Kobe Bryant MVP Award. And the first recipient was Kawhi Leonard. It was really fitting, because Kawhi kind of has that Mamba mentality, yeah. kind of the, I'm going to rip your heart out in the fourth quarter, I'm going to make the big shot. You know, and he comes into this All-Star Game, and, and from the beginning was on fire and ended up with eight three-pointers, 30 points, uh, really played well. But that was a nice touch. And going forward every year, you know, Kobe won that award four times. The fact that that's the Kobe Bryant MVP award at the All-Star Game, I think that's going to give even more meaning to that award going forward. Yeah, I agree. It's just another nice touch, and those players have so many bonds with Kobe, especially. So when they're playing for something that has Kobe's name on it and goes for Kobe, and uh, I think they're going to play harder for it. Well, in Kawhi's interviews, he said more this weekend than I yeah. think I've ever heard him say. Yeah, true. I was like, wait a minute, why doesn't he do interviews like that all the time? <laughs> but it was cool, because he obviously was paying homage to Kobe and you know, talking about All-Star Weekend, I just saw a different side of him, and I, I thought it was cool. All right, the rest of the weekend, uh, All-Star Saturday night, usually it's like, eh, you know, I'll tune in. Three-point contest came down to the last shot. Buddy Heald, you know, wins it on the last shot. That was pretty exciting. 
And then the dunk contest. You know, it's funny. I tweeted this out. The level, the degree of difficulty on the dunks today versus the last time the NBA All-Star was in Chicago with MJ and Dominique, which most people think that's the greatest dunk contest ever. I think this one surpasses it just because of the degree of difficulty. I mean, when you're jumping over seven foot five taco fall, you're doing throwing off the side of the backboard, catching it one handed and doing like a windmill while jumping over someone. I mean, it was insane. The Derek Jones Jr. and Aaron Gordon dunks and even Pat Connaughton in most years would have probably advanced, but. You know, he didn't even get into the semifinals. I thought the judging was just ridiculous. I mean, come on. (laughs) And then you can't have Dwayne Wade, who's got ties to Derrick Jones Jr., because he's a heat guy, as one of the judges. (laughs) So, first of all, any judge should have to be a former slam dunk champion. That's That's number one. That's good. Number two, there's got to be a different point system. Like, is it go to 100 instead of 50? There's got to be a different point system. And there has to be more, like, just, I don't know. There, there, the degree of difficulty on these dunks, again, so much more difficult. So everything can't be a 50, but then you can't give Dwight Howard basically a 49 for doing an alley-oop. Yeah. And then, you know, Aaron Gordon jumps over three people and, and gets a 47. <laughs> yeah. it, it's just, there's no consistency to it. But, you know, Aaron Gordon has been robbed twice now. Yep. Derek Jones Jr. was really good. But Aaron Gordon, he had four fifties and he loses. I mean, that's ridiculous. And his last dunk was a 50, even though he didn't get a 50 for it. So if you're him, this is what is going to be bad for the dunk contest going forward now. Anyone like a Zach Levine or a Zion or someone like that who was kind of thinking, well, maybe I'll do this after they saw how Aaron Gordon was judged and that Aaron Gordon said, I'll never do this again. They're not going to do it. Yeah. Because if you think about it, there's only one winner, and there's a lot of negativity or downside to doing the contest versus, you know, it's so subjective, right? Like, we saw that on Saturday night. So, Eric Gordon, in most people's mind, has won the contest twice now, (laughs) but in reality, he's over two. So, if you're him, why would you do this again? But I think that's going to prevent other elite guys from entering the contest because they're going to go, you know what? Aaron Gordon got screwed, so I'm not going to waste my time and do this either and have the same kind of result. Yeah, when he went over Taco, that was the win. I mean, he I won mean, that's right just there. ridiculous. There's no way you don't win that right there. Well, the, the best thing about the dunk contest, there were some great dunks, but I love the reaction of Chance the Rapper, Giannis, <laughs> yeah, Giannis good. and Taco Fall when the guys were jumping <laughs> over them. Like, TNT did such a brilliant job of showing their reactions in yep. slow-mo, yep. and they were scared to death. Yeah. You know, some ta- of the fun. Taco doesn't even know Aaron Gordon. Aaron <laughs> Gordon is like, hey, nice to meet you. Can I jump over you? <laughs> and Taco's like, dude, I'm dressed up to go to the club. I, I don't need you jumping over me with your sweat uh, and maybe giving me whiplash. Yeah. Like, w- who are you? Why am I doing this? But, you know, when he did it, and by the way, cleanly jumped over Taco. Yeah. wasn't like a... You know, used his hand to put on Taco's head to leap over him. Like, that, that's amazing. The guy's 7'5". Crazy. If you don't get a 50 on that dunk, 
then the judges should just be stripped of their of their titles. Yeah, I thought TNT was great. I love Shaq with the little five G courtside I selfie mean, stick. That was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, some of those were hilarious. The reactions are great. I I love it. I have always loved this the Saturday night. I love the banter back and forth and the just the it's comedy. It's basically a comedy routine with the judges bantering and Reggie Miller trying to influence D Wade with his choices and stuff. It's great. I I love it, but it's corny. Yeah, and D Wade was the total focal point of <laughs> yeah. you know the judging, and he's like. You know, he he tried to play it off, but I guarantee you he wanted Derek Jones Jr. to win. Sure. He took his little earpiece out as soon as Aaron <laughs> Gordon's dunk was done as if to say, like, there's going to be no more dunks. This is over. We all know what we're doing here. But then the other judges looked at Wade like, wait a minute, I thought we were all going to give a 10, it was going to be a 50, and then we were just going to vote who we thought was best. And look, Derek Jones Jr. did amazing. But he kind of did the same dunk several times. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do it in between my legs and, and things like that. But, look, as a guy who can't dunk, I thought <laughs> the degree of difficulty and the creativity around these dunks were the best I've seen in a dunk contest. Yeah. And that's what the dunk contests need. They need guys like that versus, you know, no offense against the G-leaguers who have won it in the past. But, like, how many times have we seen someone win that contest and you're like, who's that guy? Right, right. Never seen that guy before. So all in all, I thought NBA All-Star was a success. The ratings were up. The digital downloads were up. Uh, and, you know, the other thing is Adam Silver and the NBA for what they did this weekend, whether it was tributes to Kobe Bryant and David Stern, whether it was the tech summit and unveiling some innovations there, or just this Elam ending, which is, to me... You know, it, it's existed in the big three. It's been around other places, but the NBA took it and put it on the big stage. That's the thing about Adam Silver that's better than any other commissioner. And David Stern had the same DNA. They are willing to change things up. They are willing to be innovative. They are willing to do things to engage the fans. And this was something that, you know, forever we've been saying all star weekend stale. Why tune in? The ball game is just a bunch of pickup ball and no one cares. And, you gave the charity component, you gave the Elam ending, and you can say what you want about these guys. They have pride, so they're going to compete hard. All right, when we come back, Keith Foreman, co-founder of Sports Business Radio, is going to join me. We're going to do a segment on the Houston Astros and Major League Baseball. What a mess. I'm going to tell you why I think Rob Manford is done as the commissioner of Major League Baseball. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, and growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company. But then she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. And you can, too, by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And by using ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best ones, then find the right one. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly surprised she found qualified applicants so quickly, and she hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. 
See why ZipRecruiter is so effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our website, ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Joining me now is Keith Foreman, co-founder of Sports Business Radio. He's worked in sports for many, many years. We've gone to college together. Uh, he's a big, big insider sports guy. Goes to college football playoff. You remember we had him on last month. Keith, thanks for joining us. Uh, so I, I want to do these because if you listen to Bill Simmons' podcast, he brings on House from D.C., Cousin Sal, you and I are going to do some reoccurring segments like they do because you've just got too many good things to uh, say. I'm your house. I mean, having for all the trips we've done together, yeah. uh, Brian, on the road and traveling and calling games and all that stuff, yeah, I'm, I'll be your house. But we're going to call you Grover. There you go. Well, that that is that that was my nickname back in college. So yeah. we'll stick with that. Okay. So you know, if you hear me refer to Keith as Grover. He's the same guy, although Grover is a little bit of a different personality. But uh, all right. So the reason I'm bringing you on, you're a longtime Dodger fan, season ticket holder. Again, you've worked in sports for a long time. You have followed baseball as closely as anyone that I've ever met. And we've got to talk about how baseball is burning right now, as Jeff Passan put it on ESPN.com. This weekend, so many layers to this and everyone's got their hot takes, but I'm going to start off with maybe the hottest take of all. I think Rob Manford is done and it may not be in the next month. It may not be in the six months, but I think in the next year, Rob Manford's done. And I think for all the people out there who say, well, they need him for the new collective bargaining agreement or the owners like him and they need to keep him so they maintain the revenues. Let me give you two names. One, Derek Hall, who is the president of the Arizona Diamondbacks, who I think was runner-up or second runner-up to Manfred when Bud Selig retired. So Derek Hall, widely respected. By the way, he has a PR background. He'll do a much better press conference than Rob Manfred, who showed us over the weekend that he may be as bad as Roger Goodell when it comes to doing press conferences. And then I know I'm butchering her last name, but Kim NG is her last president of baseball operations for Major League Baseball right now. She's been an assistant GM with the Dodgers. She's also widely respected. Keith, I would feel much better with either of them at the helm of Major League Baseball at this point than Rob Manford, who I think, I don't think there's any turning back on this. I think he's lost the respect of the players, and I think he's lost the respect of the owners and the fans, and I don't know how people look at baseball in a positive light as long as he's captaining the ship. I think he got stuck in the legalities of this mess. And I actually wonder if, if whoever, if somebody else were the commissioner of baseball, if they may, may, may have gotten stuck in the same mess. In other words, I think he read the rules of engagement between, you know, the players union and the league. And I think he decided based on not having to deal with a bunch of lawsuits. The problem, of course, is that the health of the league, the spirit of the league, the fact that the league has its own unwritten rules um, or clubhouse rules, or it, it just governs itself. It polices itself. And then, of course, he has very uh, poor PR chops. So you add that all up, and we're in the situation uh, that, we're, that we're in. Now, Brian, I think that 
regardless of where you sit in baseball, as a fan, as a player, as an owner, as a member of the media, you, you have the right to attack this from different angles. Everybody can come at this emotionally in different ways. And as a hardcore Dodger fan, I was in the stands when, when Gibby hit that home run in 88. You know, and look, this is a proud franchise that, that was in the tradition of winning World Series or going to the World Series every decade up until 88, and it's been a 30-year drought. And so I'm okay with the passion that Bellinger and Turner and Kershaw and Kenley and all those guys have had about this issue. And I'll tell you, Turner really nailed it yesterday. I thought he was the most succinct in talking about what a championship means. And so uh, if we want to get into what we might do differently, I think Turner was, was getting right to the core of it. All right, let me respond to that on several levels. First, isn't it interesting of the four major commissioners in sports, Adam Silver comes from a legal background. Rob Manfred comes from a legal background. Gary Bettman comes from a legal background. Roger Goodell is the only one who doesn't come from a legal background. So people forget when these commissioners get up and do these press conferences, they don't have PR chops for the most point. Uh, Adam Silver does. And they're always lawyers first, right? They're looking at this from, can I win this case? Can I win this grievance? They're not looking at it from, I need to satisfy the media, the players, the owners from a PR perspective. And I think that's one of the big mistakes that Rob Manfred made is when he talks about the commissioner's trophy, the championship trophy as a piece of metal. Oh, my God. I mean, that's the soundbite that the players grabbed onto. And we're like, wait a minute, this says Commissioner's Trophy on it. You're talking about it as a piece of metal and you're devaluing our efforts to win this thing with that kind of a comment. And that's why you've heard so many of the players say that Rob Manford is out of touch with, you know, this whole scenario here. Which is why I think the most significant punishment uh, that could be levied against the players themselves is vacating the 2017 World Championship. In other words, nobody won the World Series in 2017. The Dodgers sure as hell don't want it. They don't want a, a tainted trophy. Uh, I Look, baseball evolves. You had the, the, the Black Sox scandal in, in 1919. You had the PED issues, you know, 20 years ago. This is a new era of baseball. And if baseball itself is going to learn from this mess and embracing technology the way they did in a destructive way – then guess what? In 2017, that was the year that no one won the championship because the Astros, who finally did win a championship, uh, shouldn't get it. And that is going to hurt those players more than any, any punishment specifically for you know not playing games or taking money away. It being official that they did not win a championship, to me, is, is a true punishment. No, I agree. There has to be some form of punishment. And the problem here, again, if you look at it from a legal standpoint, is Major League Baseball, and you heard Rob Manford talk about it at his press conference, they decided instead of going after the players, we're going to go after management. And we're going to give the players immunity. We want them to tell us what they did. And in exchange for honesty, we will give them immunity, which means we won't punish them. Well, once you make that deal with the devil, so to speak, 
what are you going to do now? Because if you try and punish them at some point, the players union is going to come back and say, hey, you know, an arbitrator is going to rule in favor of the players and the players union because you granted them immunity. You can't go, oh, wait a minute. You told me this. Now I'm going to punish you when I told you if you were honest with me, I'd grant you immunity. That's not what immunity is. So they're really in a pickle here because I don't know how they can go back and punish the players. But with that being said, Keith, I think at some point the big picture here is the owners and the players union need to get together and they need to change a few things. Number one, there can't be just a $5 million maximum penalty levied to a team like the Astros for something like this. $5 million to Jim Crane is like $5 to to you and me. Um, And the other thing is, is if you're the players and you're Turner and you're Trout and you're Bauer and Bellinger and you're really this upset about this, don't you as a players union want to see harsher penalties for the cheaters? So that also needs to change is, you know what? I'm okay if a player is banned from baseball or a player is suspended for two seasons for something like this. But under the current rules, baseball knew if we pr- try and prosecute these players, an arbitrator is probably going to rule against us. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, look, the owners and players better sit down quick because, uh, Starting, I think this week, uh, you're gonna you're gonna meet, see some vigilante justice out there. You may see Charles Bronson on the mound, right, uh, going after some of those those Astros hitters. And look, these guys are gonna take it into their own hands. And I have a feeling any number of pitchers, and it may happen in the first series. Ironically enough, when the Astros play at Anaheim, and I've got friends that already have row A tickets above the visitor dugout in Anaheim uh, for their own cathartic needs. Um, <laughs> You may see uh, justice be served right there on on day one of the season. The other thing that's going to happen, Brian, we were talking about this earlier, is you know baseball still has to come out with their verdict on the Red Sox, and it'll be interesting to see just from like a I guess like a brand standpoint, do people turn their attention and some of their their anger toward the Red Sox, or does it kind of stick with the Astros? No, it's going to stick with the Astros. I can already tell you what that penalty is going to be. It's going to be the maximum five million dollar penalty that the Astros got. And then they're going to throw the book at Alex Cora. They're either going to ban him or they're going to say two seasons. And everyone's going to go, well, Alex Cora is really being penalized for what he did when he was with the Astros. This isn't really about the Red Sox, kind of like Carlos Beltran when he got fired by the the Mets or they parted ways with him. I don't think the the Red Sox are going to bear any brunt of this. I think 100% of this is still going to maintain with the Astros, and Keith, the funny thing is, how bad are things for Major League Baseball when William Hill Sportsbook yesterday sets the over-under at 83.5 for Houston Astros that are hit by pitches in 2020? There's actually oh betting God. on this, oh. and that would be, uh, it would rank as one of the 10 highest hit-by-pitches totals for a team in all of Major League Baseball history. So there's actually a betting line on this now. And for all the people I've, that. yeah, I've heard these talking heads on TV saying, oh, no one's going to take a 15 game suspension and a multi-million dollar fine. You want to bet? I think if, if you're a, yeah. if you're a pitcher on the Dodgers and you plunk an Astros yeah, guy, everyone in that clubhouse is going to say, you know what? I'm paying that fine for you. Like you're, you're good. Exactly we, we got you covered yeah. here. You may yeah. lose some games on yep. the suspension, but we got your fine covered no problem. 
Yep. Well, you saw, I mean, it's starting to have ripple effects across the country. You saw the Little League team, you know, in Long Beach and somewhere else, I think, that removed the Astros, you know, from the league as far as the name of the team. You know, if I had my way, I would change the name of the Astros for this year to the Asterix, and they would have (laughs) to wear that uniform. Uh, That would be a good punishment, actually. I like that. Yeah, all reference on any major league team schedule um, or, you know, future broadcasts refers to the Dodgers playing the Asterix or, you know, the Red Sox playing the Asterix. Um, the other thing I'd like to see, just to incite the fans a little bit and remind the players uh, what the Asterix are all about, is I'd love to see a nice highlight package on the big video board in each stadium prior to every game the Asterix play on the road, uh, which shows nonstop denials from all of their players uh, denying over and over and over again, nothing happened. We aren't cheaters. And then intermixed with that, the highlight packages of them hitting key home runs, including the Altuve holding his jersey. Um, yeah, and I buzzers. Think be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, I I like that a lot. Now it's funny because remember when the Astros uh, verdict came down, punishment. Baseball basically said, we're putting a gag order on everyone. You can't speak about this. And and that lasted for maybe a week. And now it's open season. So the teams and the players and the owners have basically said, you know what? I don't give a rip what Major League Baseball says, us talking about this. Now, here's another layer of this, too, Keith. It's really interesting. So Will Harris, pitcher, pitched for the Astros last year. Reports are that he's now on the Nationals. That's not a report. But reports are that some of his teammates are having a real tough time warming up to him. Garrett Cole has gone from the Astros to the Yankees. Don't you think it's only a matter of time until these guys who are in the Astros clubhouse start singing like canaries and go, all right, look, I'm not there anymore. I got nothing to lose. This is what really happened. And yes, there were buzzers or yes, there were more elaborate schemes than just the the trash cans that were banging. Like, someone is going to go Mike Fires here, right? And Well, yeah, I think they're going to crack. I think once the games start, once we get to April 1, and, and, and we're playing real games, and they're in real hostile environments, and the fans are going to be just merciless, and the media is going to keep coming after them. Every new market is going to repeat itself. It's going to be like starting over again because every market wants their shot at this. And I think they're going to crack. I just think it is going to be a miserable situation for them. Um, the other thing is, you know, I, I still am I'm kicking myself, Brian. I read that book by Ben Ryder, Astro Ball, yeah. partly because I'm a purist. I'm an old school guy. I'm a hunch guy. Yeah, I've mixed some saber metrics in. That's fine. But I decided, you know what, I finally need to respect the way the game's being played now. I need to learn all these crazy new stats that even a lot of players don't know and just kind of understand the way this works. And I love the book. Astro Ball was fantastic. You know, and it's the same writer that wrote that SI piece predicting, you know, four years ago that the Astros, who at the time were the worst team in baseball, would win the World Series in 2017. And sure enough, they did. It was an amazing story. And now I just feel like such a fool because it just was all garbage. They took it too far, they cheated, and they, they basically got away with it. And that's essentially the problem here. Manfred is allowing them to get away with it, and Crane is laughing all the way to the bank. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. When it comes to stadiums and the fan experience, every sports pro knows wireless wins. 
And when it comes to the best wireless technology for your venue, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is your wireless partner for the 5G era. Boingo is the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., providing state-of-the-art cellular and 5G-ready networks that power amazing fan experiences. And Boingo makes keeping your stadium connected easy today and in the future. Thinking about CBRS or 5G? Boingo has you covered. Next-gen stadium tech like mobile ticketing, VR, and micro-betting are all possible with Boingo's 5G solutions that stay ahead of what's next. Here's another kicker. Boingo is simply the best connected experience for your business. Whether the NFL, NBA, MLS, or NCAA, Boingo helps world-class sports venues improve operating efficiencies, deepen loyalty with fans, and generate more revenue. It's a win-win. Boingo powers the connected experience at places like Soldier Field, Vivint Smart Home Arena, State Farm Arena, University of Louisville, and K-State, just to name a few. Kickstart your team's 5G strategy with a free wireless consultation from Boingo. Simply email sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. You know, baseball is falling back on, well, this was the maximum that we could do. We couldn't penalize them any worse. And wouldn't you rather us find out about the fact that this was going on by granting the players immunity so we can clean it up in the future versus doing something meaningful about it that satisfies the players so they don't have to go Charles Bronson, as you said, and and take matters into their own hands, which is exactly what's going to happen. Here's the other big problem for baseball, and this shoe hasn't dropped yet, is if you look at nuances like I do in these press conferences, Rob Manfred was asked by a reporter about current open investigations, and he said, I'm not going to comment on any other investigations that are open other than the Astros and Red Sox. What does that say to me? It says to me, there's other investigations going on. And I have direct sources that have told me that this goes beyond the Astros and the Red Sox. There are other teams that have been cheating. When that shoe drops, if it drops, if they don't keep that under wraps, that's going to be an even worse look for Major League Baseball. Well, and that's okay. So, if that's the case, I'm curious how much of it is uh, related to technology and some of the newer technologies that have been approved and added to the game over the last three or four years. I mean, look, we've been stealing signs forever. You know, I have some, I've got friends who have kids that are playing serious high level high school baseball. And, you know, if you're not in the game, if you're not playing in a game, you are you are doing everything you can to figure out your opponent's signs. And that's just part of the game. That's okay. But, you know, the, all of this technology and, and what these teams are figuring out, you know, how, how to take advantage of it, that's where baseball needs to, to fix the game. I mean, there's some other sports that are archaic in their rules. I mean, look at tennis. Look at Serena last year in the U.S. Open with, with you know, her coach, uh, Muragaglu, you know, pointing – you know, in slow motion in the same direction. And then, you know, she apparently didn't see it, but she's screaming, I'm not a cheater. Well, her coach was cheating. 
Um, you know, why don't they let coaches sit next to the players? Anyway, my point is that there are sports that just stick to really old-school rules. Baseball's always been kind of an old-school game. And I think as they've drifted further into high-tech, it's it's obviously not working out so well. All right, so on this show, all the time, you know, we complain about things or we uh, – scrutinize things, but I believe in coming up with solutions. So here's a few, and you can tell me what you think of these. Number one, as I said at the top, Manfred has to go. He, he's lost all credibility. He's lost respect from owners, players. You can't tell me that Derek Hall or the woman who whose name I can't pronounce, who is the senior baseball operations person, Kim at Major League Baseball, they're going to come in and they're going to do just fine. They're going to do much better when it comes to the PR advantaging the press conference, they're going to be able to negotiate a new collective bargaining agreement. It's going to be fine. But they have to get Manfred out of there because he is synonymous with this whole scandal and failure and calling the commissioner's trophy a piece of metal. And the players hate his guts, right? So he has to go. I don't think there's any putting that toothpaste back in the tube at this point. The other thing is I love your idea of uh, vacating 2017. Let's vacate 2017. Let's suspend the players, you know, Bregman, Altuve. Let's give them a season. And then let's make the Astros play this season and maybe next season. Instead of Astros, it's the Asterix. I like your idea there. And public shame them. And then, like you said, cut a really cool video at all of these ballparks that shows everything that they did so it incites the fans so they root against the Asterix even more. What do you think about those solutions? I'm all, I'm all in. Uh, I, you know, the, the problem for Manfred is, is he's damaged goods. I mean, at this point, he's damaged goods. He's lost, you know, the respect of the league. And it's a bit, it's been interesting actually to watch other leagues deal with their own situations or crises or communications, uh, in real time while this has been going on. I mean, the NBA, I mean, I, I thought they just put on one heck of an impressive all-star weekend, you know, in, in light of, you know, the awful situation, you know, with, with Kobe and his daughter and, and everyone on that helicopter. Right. Um, and then you saw, the cha- in, you know, the in the uh, in Europe with the Champions League, how Man City got, you know, penalized. I mean, those are, that's serious punishment. But, you know, that's, that's some pretty impressive leadership, um, you know, at the tops of, you know, both of those leagues. Now, look, soccer in Europe is corrupt as anything, but the fact that that penalty is going to result in the millions and millions of dollars, you know, that it will. And that's another thing, you know, baseball has to think about with Manfred, you know, in charge here, is at what point do do big, you know, baseball uh, partners, you know, their sponsors um, start to question, you know, the integrity uh, of the league and, and, and if they want their product or service affiliated with it. Well, so that's a really good point. That's another shoe that's going to drop. So is this going to become more widespread beyond the – Astros and Red Sox, when do sponsors start pulling out? And I say this all the time on the show. I don't care if you're a sports organization, a league, or you're just a a company. Once you lose faith and trust of the leader of that organization, it's over. And no one trusts Rob Manfred anymore. So it's over. It's just a matter of who do you replace him with and when do you replace him. But he's not going to regain that trust. This isn't David Stern or Adam Silver that we're talking about, where if they have a misstep, you go, well, you know what? 99% of the time they've done things the right way. We'll give them you know, the benefit of the doubt on this one. Rob Manfred has no benefit of the doubt coming his way. He is 
done in my mind. And if the owners are stupid enough to keep him as the leader of their organization, then shame on them. There's two people that I really appreciated hearing from. Uh, Obviously, Justin Turner, I thought, nailed it. But when you've lost Mike Trout, who... I mean, come on. This guy is as clean as a whistle. He he never speaks ill will about anybody. Uh, when you ask Mike Trout, um, uh, you got a problem. And then Hank Aaron. Hank right. Aaron. That was Hank the Trout. biggest one of all. If you don't have Hank Aaron and Mike Trout, you got a problem. Yeah, you got a big problem. And, and you know, Manfred was asked about Hank Aaron's comments at the press conference. And, you know, his pat answer was, I understand how people are upset about this and they're emotional and da 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 da. And, you know, he keeps falling back on his legal options here. Like, we didn't have these legal options. We would have lost, blah, blah, blah. Here's my point with that. And again, you know, I, I focus on PR a lot for the optics of it. If I'm Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball, I punish to the full degree. And then if an arbitrator comes in and says, you know what, this isn't going to fly, at least I can tell my fans and my players and my owners, you know what, I tried. I gave it my best shot. An arbitrator or someone came in and... But, Keith, how do you rule on banning Pete Rose from baseball? And, you know, there are certain commissioner powers, right? How do you Uh, use those powers? It's the good cop, bad cop strategy. I mean, he could have been the good cop or the bad cop. Either way, he would have done the right thing for the integrity of the game, and then you let the bad cops, you know, tell them them why you can't do it. Right. So how do you see this uh, playing out in the next few weeks? Oh, man. Uh, It's – I think your point about the owners and the – the uh, players union sitting down quickly is really key because I think that's going to dictate what happens as we start getting into into actual games in spring training. Now I was looking at the Astros schedule and lucky enough for them, it's pretty benign as far as like, you know, they don't see the Yankees, for example, in their preseason schedule. I think if I read it correctly, um, I'm not sure Altuve wanted to see an Araldis Chapman 102 um, fireball coming at his head. Um, so I think the Astros may actually skate through uh, spring training somewhat unscathed. Uh, but boy, once uh, once this thing starts, um, and then who who do they play for interleague this year? Do you know which divisions play each other? I should have checked that. Yeah, I don't know. All I know is when Carlos Correa in his second media availability at spring training, is saying, I'm done talking about this. I'm focusing on the regular season. Oh, Carlos, if it only was so easy. Like, these guys have no idea everywhere they go. Like you said earlier in this conversation, it's going to be starting from square one because you're dealing with new media, and they are going to ask you about this. And, you know, how many guys are going to get pissed off and lose their patience? And it's going to be ugly all the way around. Well, and not only is Pantone 242, the Dodgers, uh, you know, fan group, not only have they bought thousands of tickets for that home opener um, in Anaheim, they're also sending a ton of people to Houston for the Houston home ah, opener. I love it. And, and, and that's where I, I actually feel bad for Astros fans. I mean, you know, these guys are painting their houses orange, and, you know, they got all their gear and, and rightfully celebrating their first, you know, World Series championship, and it's all BS. Well, I'll end on this, Keith. Imagine the nightmare that Major League Baseball would be facing if 
the Nationals hadn't won Game 7. And you're looking at the Astros oh. winning two of the last three World Series. And now you're not just talking about vacating 2017. You're also talking yeah. about vacating 2019. And, the, the, the yeah. you know, two of the last three years, the champion of your sport is dirty. Yeah. Thank God well, the Nationals about, won yeah, in Game 7. Talk about it. I mean, I just, it's so ironic that those two teams share a, a trading facility. I mean, it must be heaven and hell there right now. You've got this halo effect over the, the Nationals. They, they don't have to win 20 games this year. It doesn't matter. Their fans are so happy and the way they went about it. And then you've got this just awful situation on the other side of that training facility. Yeah. Well, and I look at the Nationals players now and I go, those games in Houston, didn't they win every game in Houston in the World Series? I mean, the fact that this was going on and they still beat Houston in Houston is remarkable. Brian, the players know. They know what happened. They know every gory detail of what happened, and that's why they're not afraid to come out and speak up about it. Well, but what I want is, like I said, I want the Will Harris's, I want the Garrett Coles, I want the guys that were in that Astros organization like Mike Fires. I want to hear from more of those guys. And I think if if you hear from them that there were buzzers and things like that, now I think it actually gives baseball the opportunity to, to punish these guys. Because, hey, you know what? You told me this and that, but you didn't give me the whole story. We're reopening this investigation, and now I really am going to crush you because you lied to me. Yeah, and that's where I actually question you. When when you say there's lots of other cheating that's going on and it's all going to come out, you know, I, I, I don't want to be naive, but i got to think a lot of these players would not be speaking out the way they are if that were the case, at least at the same level. Yeah, I don't know if it's as uh, elaborate as what was going on in Houston, right? Right. But I do know from a, for a fact that there are other teams that are being investigated. Whether they'll find anything or not is going to be interesting to see. But you know, that's we'll end this conversation on this. If you're Major League Baseball or any other sport, one of the toughest decisions you have to make is how badly do I want to expose my sport. For wrongdoings, because it hurts the brand, it tarnishes the look, and you know if you're Major League Baseball and you know there's four other cheating teams out there right now, do you really want to expose that and say, you know what, we caught them and here's what we found and we're punishing them, and or you just keep it quiet and say, you know what, we're going to keep this brush fire to a minimum instead of like full, you know, twenty alarm fire that's engulfing our league. Cats out of the bag. You, you got to cut this th- now. You got to do everything now. It's the era. It was the the technology cheating era. We need to get through this. Get it all out right now. This thing should not be nickel and dimed along for the next three years. All right. Last question: Is this worse than the steroid era, or not as bad? Absolutely, hundred percent worse. Wow. Okay. Keith Foreman, otherwise known as Grover. My friend who's going to be joining me for these segments, uh, hopefully monthly. This was good. I like yeah. it. We got the first one under our belt. I love it. Thanks, Bergie. All right. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. One word you wouldn't typically associate with a dress shirt is comfort. However, the folks over at Mizzen in Maine are changing this. Their shirts are incredibly comfortable. Mizzen in Maine makes dress shirts for men that fixes everything that's ever been wrong with shirts for so long. Their shirts breathe, stretch, and wick away moisture. 
It's like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for travel. They've taken the hassle out of looking great through wrinkle resistance and the ability to wash your shirts at home. No more last-minute ironing. No more after-work trips to the dry cleaner. It's a shirt that's worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. And guess what? Mizzen in Maine now is making pants at long last. The Mizzen in Maine performance chino is here. Everything consumers love about the dress shirts packed into new pants. Business casual just got comfortable. I love my Mizzen in Maine pants. It has the same breathability, superior comfort, no pilling. It's awesome. For travel, I don't have to worry about my pants being wrinkled when I take them out of my suitcase, just like my dress shirts. So now I'm covered. I've got the pullover. I've got the dress shirts. I've got the new pants. Go to MizzenandMaine.com. Use the promo code SBR. Try out their new pants. I promise you'll love them. That's MizzenandMaine.com. Code SBR. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at Boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. I can't tell you how many times over the years on Sports Business Radio that a PR person is asked to listen in on my interviews with their CEO, GM, coach, or athlete. They also want to call us in our studio so that we don't have the phone number of the high-profile person who is calling us for our interview. Blinder has developed a technology that solves these issues that have existed for years. Use Blinder's unique technology to connect your athlete, coach, or executive's personal phone for any interview without sharing their private information. Remotely control the phone interviews. Set start and finish times, monitor online or with the Blinder mobile app, and listen to a recording of the call at any time for complete peace of mind. With Blinder, you're finally in control. The system works globally from any phone line. Scheduling a call takes seconds. Customizable push notifications ensure a connection, and no one needs to download anything to make or receive a call. PR people everywhere should be using this helpful technology. Blinder is now the technology we use for the official guest line for Sports Business Radio. Learn how to start your free trial by visiting blinderhq.com backslash SB Radio. Now we're talking.